Well, we're going to continue to look in the mirror this morning as we look at James chapter 3. And we're going to be talking about controlling the tongue. And for those younger folks, controlling the tweet. Uh, some of you don't know what a tweet is. You think it's what a bird does. And you're right, but uh, there is a form of communication called Twitter. Uh, you, it's probably coming to, to uh, light in recent days with everybody that's got something to say. It seems like if you have an opinion... You just share it. And uh, that's kind of what's going on today. So how do we as Christians navigate through that? Well, James gives us some great advice. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what we've already experienced in worship today, Lord. You, you do make us brave, Lord. And uh, we are so thankful for the strength and the power and the security we have in your name. May we continue to honor you through the reading and the preaching of your word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. The thing is, is that whether we are talking to someone or uh, some people that are on social media, when we're, we're posting our opinions and we're, we're forwarding cat videos and all of those great things that people like to see, is we have to be very careful that we are not misrepresenting our testimony for those of us that are believers. Because then again... James is writing this book to believers. People in the church had this problem. Their problem was that their actions were not matching the message. There was some misbranding that was occurring. So he addresses it head on. And the thing is that we must choose our words wisely. Did you know that one-fifth of your life, one-fifth of your life is spent talking to others? One-fifth. And who knows how long we talk to ourselves. I don't know about you, but I talk to myself a lot. Sometimes it's great and, and sometimes it's not. But it's important to know that conversation is... God has wired us to conversate and to talk with other folks. Now, it has been said that men speak on the average 20,300 words a day. Some of you ladies are like, there is no way because I can barely get my husband to say five words. But on the it's an average now, on the average, thirty or twenty thousand three hundred words a day, and then women have they speak, as you would guess, an average of thirty thousand words a day, with gusts up to fifty thousand words a day. Now I'm sure that there's probably some men here saying fifty thousand words. That's just the first hour when they wake up, but. Whether you talk a little or whether you talk a lot, we all communicate with the words that we share. We all communicate with body language and we all communicate in the way that we treat others. But with all of this talking, why are we not accomplishing anything? Why do our lives continue to have struggles? Why do we not see our world becoming a better place? Because people can converse about things. Well, when we meet people, we have no problem talking about the weather or which restaurant is our favorite and what happened at a restaurant we don't go to anymore. Uh, We can talk about current events. We can talk about pop culture or we can even talk about our life struggles. But unfortunately, we talk about other people sometimes too. Now, the world, we call that gossip. And the church has to be careful because sometimes we call that prayer request. Yeah. Oh, did you hear about sister so-and-so? 
you heard what happened to her. And they just go into the whole story and then they end with, we need to pray for her. And sometimes I want to say, no, we need to pray for you. But it's true. We, we talk about people and we shouldn't. Or if we do pray for people, we should literally just be praying for them, not trying to broadcast their story. But that's another sermon for another time, maybe. But with all of that talking, there is a disease that everyone in here has suffered from, and myself included. It is a disease that is rampant among our nation, and it is called foot-in-mouth disease. Do you know what foot-in-mouth disease is? i got a picture. I'll show you. Open mouth and insert foot. That's, sometimes you said something and it's kind of like you're talking and you're telling somebody something and all of a sudden you're looking at them and their eyes get real big and you're like, they're behind me, aren't they? <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, I've put my foot in my mouth before and it's very likely before this sermon is over I'll do it again. So what a great illustration, right? But for the purpose of this, too many suffer today from foot-to-mouth disease. As I said, I have been diagnosed with this disease before. So there was this young girl, and she was dating this boy at college. And boy, she was so happy with this boy. And so she said, I'm going to take you home this weekend, and we're going to meet mom and dad. So if you're a guy, you know when that happens, you're like, oh boy. No, you're not. But we're going to meet mom and dad. So, so she prepares him to be on his best behavior and present himself as well as he can. And so as he walked to the door, her mother greeted him, telling him and saying that she had heard so many good things about him. And he's like, whew, we're getting off on the right foot. Well, he responded with what he wanted to say was, I can see where Jane got her good looks from. But instead, he came out with, wow, I'll bet you were... When you were Jane's age, you used to be good looking too. (laughs) Open mouth and insert foot. Bless his heart, he tried. And and sometimes you could say you mean the right thing and it just doesn't come out the right way. But I tell you what, for that poor young gentleman, the rest of that visit was a wash. It was nothing but sitting across from her with the mother staring daggers into him every time she looked at him. But it is, it's true that the words that we say impact our lives and it impacts others' opinions about us. So, you know, today in America, I am grateful that we have men and women that have served, that have given their life, and they're currently serving so that we can have the freedom of speech. If you want to talk like an idiot, you can talk like an idiot. If you want to post something on social media that is dumb, you can do that because you have that right. But you can also say things about Jesus. You can worship like we are today. Some countries, you cannot do that. We, our, our freedom to speak our mind has been based and built off of the blood and the backs of the men and women that have served our country, continue to serve, and will serve. But here's the thing. With that freedom of freedom of speech... With that freedom, we are also responsible 
for the words that we say. Just because we have the freedom to speak, it does not negate the responsibility of choosing our words wisely when we speak. Everyone today has a voice, has an agenda. Too many Christians today are turning to the book of opinions in their Bible and sharing that with the people. By the way, there's not a book of opinions. But everybody's wanting to share what they think instead of actually sharing what God's Word says. James is calling his followers and us to use their words to accomplish his work, not to tear it down. James is reminding us to be purposeful in every word that we speak. Our words should honor God and love others, just as our command is. Let's take a moment to think about the words that we use on a daily basis. The first thing we see is that our words affect the way we lead others. Our words affect the way that we lead others. In verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3, let's read that for just a moment. He says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, also able to control the whole body. Now, if we put this, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so they will obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts of great things. Consider how small a fire, how small a fire takes a set of blaze, a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. And the tongue is a fire. What we see in those first couple of verses, we see that our words affect others. Let me, let me put it this way. Your words, the words that you say, do affect other people. Every word that you say. Well, you say, no, it does. I mean, sometimes it's just harmless. No, if someone is an earshot of you, if someone can read that message, if there is that whole communication process of you sending a message and them receiving it, no matter what medium you use, your words are going to affect other people. We see when James was writing this, there were leaders that they were leading for the wrong reason. Every one of you have worked with that person that the only reason they want to work is so they can get a title. And so that they can have something that they can lord over somebody else. But to be a teacher back in these days, when this was written, even in this new emerging church, it came with prestige, it came with honor, it came with social status, and it came with the respect of others. So there were people that were trying to get all of that by saying that, well, I'm going to be a teacher. Unfortunately, some of them were teaching only for the platform it gave them. I'll tell you this. If you seek to lead over others only for a title or for perks or for power, then you are leading for the wrong reasons. If the only reason I'm a pastor is to push people around, I'm in the wrong business. If the only reason you want to be a supervisor or you want to be the head honcho of the knitting circle, whatever it might be, is to have influence on others, then that's the wrong reasons. James was reminding the church 
of the responsibility of being, and here's a word we don't like to use a lot, being accountable for the words they use. Nowadays on social media, if somebody says something or posts something, they always have an excuse. Well, I was on this drug and I, I didn't know what I was saying. Well, if you were on that drug, you probably should not have been on social media. Or I was under, somebody else was doing something to me and I was just responding, blah, 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 blah. We can always try to victimize our way out of the words that we say. But bottom line is, the words that we say, we own them whether we like it or not. People have lost their jobs because of things they have said. People have lost their jobs because things that they had posted. You realize nowadays we try to tell teenagers and young adults and even adults now, when you go to apply for a job, they look at your Facebook wall. They look at your Twitter feed. They look at what you're doing on social media because they don't want to hire somebody that's going to trash them on social media. We are accountable for the words that we say. And James actually says we must remember that we all have influence over others and we must choose our words carefully. This is not just for preachers. This is for mothers. This is for fathers. This is for leaders in the church and outside of the church. James is clear. Those who speak on God's behalf will be judged by a higher and harsher standard. He's trying to tell them, look, if you want all the benefits, you don't understand what it takes to do that. That's like, I know there are a lot of people out there that they think that they got a preacher's life figured out. Oh, he works maybe two or three hours a week in the suit and the rest of us just goofing off. I got to tell you, it's not like that. I would give anybody the opportunity to walk in my shoes for a week and see what a normal week is. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that the grass is always greener on the other side. But wherever the grass is greener, there's always fertilizer. And that's the nice way to put it. You know, what? every one of you have got a job where there's always somebody that thinks they can do it better than you. But you know what? They don't know. And they don't understand. And these teachers were signing up for something just because of the lifestyle it gave them. And they were speaking on God's behalf. Folks, we've got to be very careful that we, we do the right things for the right reasons. And the thing is, as we see, especially in verse 2, he talks about, for if we all stumble in many ways, if someone does not stumble in what he says, he's a mature able also to control the whole body. Folks, our words affect our direction. Our words that we say affect our direction. The words that we allow to come into our life affect our direction. Now, James is not saying here, well, nobody's perfect, so do your best. That's not what that scripture says in verse 2. What he is saying is that we must be maturing in our faith to the point That we can control our body. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Why do we sin? It's not genetics. It's not influences. Bottom line. Those things can be factors. But at the bottom. At the end of the day. The reason we sin. Is because we choose to. And the reason we say words we shouldn't. Is because we choose to. The reason we listen to words we shouldn't is because we choose to. The reason we stay quiet when we should speak up about Jesus is because we choose to. But if you are maturing in your faith, you'll know when to speak and you'll know when to be quiet. Because I'll tell you what, if your faith is not maturing, 
If you are not growing in the Lord, we have a problem. Let me ask you something. If you are, if you are not growing physically every second that you're alive and your body stops growing, your, your cells stop doing what cells do and your, your heart starts, I mean, stops pumping. What happens when you stop? You're dead. And so a Christian that refuses to grow in their faith, their faith is dying or they have no faith at all. Not my words, his words. And what is the body that he's talking about? He uses the reference of a ship and he uses the reference of a horse. There's two types of bodies he's referencing here. First of all, he's talking about our bodies literally. Did you know that the tongue is the body's strongest muscle? It's a good thing. I've never seen somebody put barbells on the tongue and start lifting in the gym. That would be pretty disgusting. But just by the way God designed us, our tongue is the strongest muscle in our body. And I've often heard and believed it to be true that if a person is out of control in one area of their life, they're out of control in many areas of their life. If you show me a person that cannot control their tongue, I will show you a person whose life is out of control. That's what James is sharing with us here. And there are many people that are addicted to substances and lifestyles that are killing them because their tongues said yes to someone who was offering it to them. My heart breaks for those kids that I went to school with in high school and they thought this one drink is not going to hurt me and they ended up being alcoholics. They get older and they die from liver cancer. All because they decided to say yes to the wrong thing. And wherever you are today, it is because of the yeses and the noes that your tongue has said out of its mouth. When you and I go out to eat, our tongue will either order something that is good for our body or bad for our body. Sometimes you just got to have that fried, country fried steak, right? You want the gravy? Absolutely. And then your body says, you are an idiot. We all choose to either eat things that help our body or hurt our body. So he's talking literally about our body. And and yes, the words we say have a direct impact on where we are in our lives and where we are headed. If you don't like where you're at today, my friend, change your words. And if you don't know what to say... (laughs) God has told you what to say right here. I was talking to a friend the other day and he said, you know, James, I was, you know, I've just kind of lost my way a little bit and I've, I've kind of, uh, I need some help getting back on track. And I said, well, you know what? Because I gave him a Bible a long time ago. And I said, you know what that Bible I gave you? Look in the back of it. And there's good, look up the word that you're dealing with, whether it be disappointment or frustration or anger or whatever it may be. And you know what? It's going to give you some verses to read about. He said, man, you could do that? Well, absolutely. And when you start seeing that the God's word, this, this is the word that we must say. But not only is our physical body what he's talking about, he's talking about the body of the church. There was a well-known gossip in the church that came under conviction. The pastor was preaching fire from the pulpit. And so the well-known gossip of the church walks up during invitation And she says to the preacher, preacher, 
I'm under such conviction of what you said, I'm going to lay my tongue on the altar. And that preacher, without missing the beat, said, we're going to need a bigger altar. She was known for that, or he was known for that, whoever it was. I hope I'm not known for the bad things that I say. I hope I'm known for my actions and that my speech matches up with what I say. How many church fights do you remember that started after the words someone shared? My, the most feared words of any preacher or church is during a business meeting, does anybody have anything they'd like to add? <laughs> Woo! Man. I don't know about this church because we haven't had one of those. I've, I've heard that there's been here. But don't worry, you're not the only church. We've had some, you know, there were some people that came to business meetings just because they wanted to see the show. We could have had popcorn and tickets and they had a bottom. What a shame. The people that saw churches fight and never darkened the doors again. Max Lucado says that, that we should never use words or use two words together. The two worst words to put together are church and fight. Because in his book, In the Eye of the Storm, he talks about the disciples that when they weren't fighting, when, when they weren't fishing, they were fighting. And that's the thing. There are some churches that are known for their business meetings rather than their outreach. They would rather talk about the person and complain while they're not doing anything and complain while they're not growing and have committees about it and do research about it and to beg everybody to to come every Sunday but yet not do anything for the kingdom. That is why they are dying. It's because it's all words and no actions and it's the wrong words. The thing is, James uses a cruise ship and the horse to illustrate the point that our words affect others. A huge ship is, is directed by that little rudder. A huge behemoth. How, how heavy can a horse be? Anybody know? Some of you rode horses before? Tell me. Go ahead, tell me. 2,000? 2,000 pounds? So a ton. So you can take a one-ton animal and put a little piece of silver, a silver bit in his mouth, and direct the way that one ton animal goes. So that tongue in your mouth directs your life, and where you're headed, and where you have been, and what God wants to do in your life. If there was ever a time that illustrated the importance of watching what we say, it is today. Everyone has something to say. Sometimes they get in trouble for it. Every day we hear of someone whose lives have been torn up over something that was said in person and in private or online. I say it again today. I thank God that I was not a teenager during the years of social media. Because you cannot get away from that stuff. Back in the day, you had notes being passed or something written on a wall or, or the whole he said, she said thing. But nowadays, it's online. It's for everybody. And people, there are hurtful, mean things that people put on social media. Back in the day when it first started, if people had something bad to say, 
they would make it anonymous. Kind of like when someone says to you, well, you know, people are saying, and then they'll tell you whatever it is, and then you ask them, what people? Well, I don't know. They had people hid behind anonymity. And now it's just out there. They think it and they share it. Think of the many people that have tweeted something that came back to bite them. And the first thing they do is they delete their account or they delete the tweet. But yet somebody has taken a screen grab of it or someone has recorded it and it's out there forever. I try to tell people just because you think it, it does not mean that you need to post it. And my personal rule is that I never tweet when I'm angry or I'm hurt or I'm upset because you can bet that whatever tweet you put out there is going to come back to bite you. It's bad enough when, you know, sometimes I'll put something out on, on Facebook or Twitter and it's something that is totally removed from my frame of mind, but it, it might be something like, uh, Boy, this is going to be a struggle. And I might be thinking about a test I had to take or a workout that I must do. And then as soon as you put there, this is a struggle, you've got a long list of people. What's wrong, preacher? I'm praying for you. And, and hey, I love that. I'm not, look, I love that. But there again, i got to be careful about what I post. Because it will make people think that something's going on. When it's really not. Let me go ahead and tell you something. If you know me or if you're on any of my social media, if I got something going on, I'm not going to post about it. (laughs) You can take that to the bank. I'm not going to change the names to protect the innocent. I'm just going to keep it to myself. Or take it to the Lord. That's what we need to do. But here's just a word on gossip. Some of you say, "Well, well, I don't gossip. (laughs) But you sure don't turn down an opportunity to hear it. Here's a word about gossip. Not only gossip, but the things that you hear. Do not let someone dump their garbage into your ears. Because garbage in means garbage out. The first thing you need to to know this. When you tell someone, now I'm going to share this with you, but I don't want you to tell anybody. You have just told them to spread that to everybody that they know. Our faith would be so much stronger. Look, we need encouragement of others. But just imagine if people would take their problems to the Lord rather than to social media. The next thing we see is that our tongues will reveal who we really are. Verses 6 through 12. Of chapter 3. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body. It sets the course of life on fire. And is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and have been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's image. 
Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour over sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. We could be here on Sunday morning and say, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We can raise our hands for our Pentecostal folks. They can take a lap if they want to. They can do whatever they want. But if we walk out of this, out of this room and we go out into this world and look down on our brother or sister because of the color of their skin or the amount of money they have in their pocket or the way that they are dressed, we have done an injustice. We are accountable for the words that we say. We are accountable for the looks that we give. Got sidetracked there for a second. What? You ever heard this term? What's in the well comes up in the bucket? Let me say it one more time. What's in the well comes up in the bucket? I heard uh, it was Jack Graham from Prestonwood. I was listening to a sermon he was preaching on, on this passage. And he said that. And I thought, man, that sounds like a good old country saying that that'll preach. But that's what James is saying. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Another great passage for this is in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, A good person produces good out of the good stored up in their heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. And here's the kicker. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of of the heart. If you want to know the heart of the people that you associate with, listen to their words. And if you want to know your heart, listen to the stuff that comes out of your mouth. I'll never forget, I, there's so many stories, I've I probably shared this, so if I have, just just nod it and move on, but... But uh, I remember when I was a teenager and uh, I had not really sold my life out to the Lord yet. And I was hanging around with the wrong crowds, of course. And I was saying yes to things I shouldn't have. And I'll never forget, one night we went to a friend's house and we started experimenting with alcohol. And they were bringing stuff that I'd never seen before. And I can tell you what it was and you'd be like, oh, no preacher, you should have run. But I'll tell you what, it cured me from drinking and being in that state again. But you know what really did it? Is that back in the day, we, thank God we didn't have iPhones. Thank goodness we didn't have portable cameras that were readily available. You had to be rich to have a portable camera back in the early 80s. Oh, they got a camera. Woo! But we did have tape recorders. Back in the old days where you couldn't just type on a computer or a phone the song you want, you had to pray that the radio station would play it. And if they played it, you had to use your recorder to record it. And that announcer better not talk over your favorite part of the song. Well, the people I was with, they had a tape recorder. They recorded me. Woo! 
So they thought it would be funny. They played it back a couple days later after all that had gone through. And there again, I was a teenager, okay? I could not recognize the voice I was listening to. There was so much anger. There was so much hatred. There was so much slurred speech. But I didn't recognize who that was. And the thing that scared me was those things that were in my heart were coming out because I had lost my filter. Be very careful that you don't participate in things that help you lose your filter because I guarantee you what comes out of your mouth reveals your heart. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. The words you say can change your life. For example, how many weddings have I conducted where they get, do you accept this man and do you accept this woman? And they're like, I do. I will. Or someone say, whatever she says. No, they say, I mean, those words I do, they change your life. Or before a judge, you're standing before a judge and the judge looks at you and says, not guilty. Boy, you praise the Lord for those words. Or when a doctor says, it's not cancer. Woo! What better words to ever hear? Or saying yes to God. And notice Satan when he wants to do something in your life. Saying yes to Jesus Christ changes the direction and eternal destiny of your life. The entire trajectory and destiny of your life hinges on the words you say to Jesus. Being like words like, I believe. I confess. And I repent. You don't believe me? I would not be here today if I had not said yes. To the gift of Jesus Christ. In my heart and in my tongue. And that junk I told you about that was in my life before I sold out for Christ. I've been forgiven of that. It just serves as a good illustration nowadays. But I am not bound by that. I remember it. But I have been forgiven and cleansed and redeemed from all of that. Because I said yes to Jesus and His gift. Of amazing grace. But here's the thing. We will speak words of faith when. If you want to speak words of faith. I'm going to show you three ty- three ways that you are going to speak words of faith. The first one is our life is filled with faith in Jesus Christ. We will speak words of faith when our life is filled with faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ and I am, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. My prayer is that when I speak, it's not my words, but His. Because I am a temple of Jesus Christ and He lives in this temple and I need to keep this temple clean. And if Jesus Christ is inside of me, He should be bearing, or I should be bearing His presence in the words that I share with other people. He says, This life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I speak of Jesus because I am consumed with Jesus. And He has consumed 
me. That's not because I'm a preacher. It's because I am a Christian, which is what many of you in here claim to be. The second thing, our minds and our hearts are filled with God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So if the words we say are an overflow from our heart, we see that God's Word is a double-edged sword that judges that and keeps us from saying dumb things. It's living and it's active. My friend, if you are not spending time in God's Word, you do not have that filter. You are, that means that when you speak, you're, you're hot-headed and you're saying the first thing that comes to your mind. How has that worked out for you? Not too good. We've got to have God's Word in our life. And the cool thing is it says it's a double-edged sword. That means it cuts both ways. It goes before you and defends you. But it also keeps you clean. It keeps you honest before Him. And the third thing is, speaking words of faith is proof that our life is filled with faith. Again, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Folks, you have to live with the consequences and the words that you say. Just as I do. And the person that likes the, to tell the off-color jokes, stay away from that. Because that means they have off-color content in their heart. And if you're that person, let me suggest you do a little cleaning. Everybody will laugh and think it's cute until you walk away. The gossip. They love to tell gossip. I got news for you. If you got, a, if you got that friend that loves to gossip... And you like to talk with them just to find out what's going on? Oh, I'm not a gossip. I don't repeat it. I just like to hear it. Again, you're letting that trash into your ears. And it's going into your heart. And if it's going into your heart, I guarantee you it is coming out. I guarantee you, if you love a good gossip, you are a good gossip. And I guarantee you this too. If someone gossips to you about somebody else, they're gossiping about you to somebody else. That's just what a gossip does. Because their heart is filled with these impure things and their mouth proves it. Not only what's in the well comes up in the bucket, but as, as James is talking here, he's talking about the fig trees and what they produce. He's saying that the root determines the fruit. Can you say that? The root determines the fruit. Say it one more time. The root determines the fruit. If I go out and I plant something that's supposed to grow peach trees, I expect peach trees to be there. If I bury something that's supposed to be orange trees, I expect an orange tree to be there. How surprised would I be if all of a sudden I bury things to to make orange trees and all of a sudden tomatoes come up? 
It doesn't happen that way. The seed determines the fruit. The root determines the fruit. I would just say in closing, your words reveal the depths of your heart. They determine the direction of your life. And they set your destination. Your words reveal the depths of your heart. When you speak, it reveals what's in the heart. And the words determine the direction of your life. Where you are today is based upon the words that you have listened to and the words that you have said in your past. And for many of you, that's a good thing. Keep doing it. Because all it takes is one wrong word to mess up a lifetime. And then your words set your destination. As I shared earlier, I am here today because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his offer to save me from my sins and by me saying yes to that gift. I will be in heaven. Many of you today that have accepted that gift will be in heaven. But there may be some in here today that have not said that, that are putting that off, don't have enough faith to do that. Well, my friend, my prayer for you is that you would come to a knowing Understanding relationship with Jesus Christ. And by being here today, you're taking the first step. And I thank you for that. Because God's desire is for you to be with Him in eternity. Do not let the words you use take you away from God's best for your life. The words we, we must start with are, I believe, I confess, and I repent. Folks, quit letting your tongue run your life into the ditch. Think before you speak. Pray before you post. And don't say anything you wouldn't want God to hear. That's pretty simple. Let me say it one more time. Think before you speak. Pray before you post. And don't say anything you wouldn't want God to hear. Christian, you are holy and you are set apart for God's use. So speak like it, act like it, and watch your world change. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for James's encouragement for us to be mindful of what we allow into our lives and mindful for what we speak and put out into this world. Because, Lord, we will be held accountable for it. And there are many that are here today because of the words of someone else that encouraged them and led them to you. But Lord, if there's someone here today that their life is full of drama and they need clarity, maybe there's someone that doesn't know you today and they have been speaking without without even knowing you and they see it, they, they, they can remember the words that they have said that prove that you are not a part of their lives. They can know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that today is their day of salvation where they can say, I believe, I confess, and I repent. As I shared earlier, those things, that those stories of my past, that's just what they are. They're my past that has been covered in your blood. And maybe there's someone here today that needs that same covering, that same forgiveness. Or maybe there is a believer here today that as James was writing this to the early church, they say, whew, 
and hit me. You can come to this altar and pray. You can pray where you're at. Or you can come talk to me. But do not leave this building today unchanged. Because you may not have this opportunity again. Maybe you want to join this church or be baptized. Or you just have a prayer need. Whatever it is, as the invitation is sung and we stand, would you please come? Please stand.